Welcome to the podcast, Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path, and I'm your host, Mike Allen. You know, there's a mysterious island. It's off the coast of Milford, Connecticut, and it's got quite a history that we're going to talk about today. It's called Charles Island, and you risk your life getting there. You can get there by boat and by foot. Rocks do guard the island against anybody who dares to dock their boat there, but Long Island Sound recedes just enough to expose a secret walkway from the shoreline to the island a couple of times a day. It's true. And people want to get there to look for supposedly buried pirate loot. Well, people have died trying to get there, and it's maybe because of one of the three curses hanging over the island. Here to tell us all about this incredible story is Marissa D'Angelo. She's a Milford native, and she's written a series of books about Charles Island and its curses. She's done her homework, she's done her research, she knows the history, and she's going to be along in just a moment. I want to introduce a new friend of this podcast, Connecticut Explored. It's the group that works with Connecticut State Historian and publishes a magazine on Connecticut history, as well as her own podcast called Grading the Nutmeg. I'm Kathy Hermes with Connecticut Explored Magazine. In print and in our podcast, Grading the Nutmeg, we bring you fresh, fascinating, and inspiring stories of the people and places in Connecticut. If you're a regular listener to Amazing Tales, we know you'll love our podcast. Interviews with authors, historians, and changemakers co-hosted by the state historian emeritus and the publishers of Connecticut Explored. Available wherever you get your podcasts and at ctexplored.org. Check it out. The island we're going to talk about today is about a half mile off the coast of Milford, Connecticut. You can find it real easily if you're looking at Google Maps. Just call up Silver Sands State Park. Now, the island is 17 acres, and 14 out of those 17 acres is a dedicated bird sanctuary. It provides safe haven for nesting birds who migrate during the winter, and therefore you're not allowed to go out to the island during the spring and summer months when the birds are there, but when they fly away, they do open up the island. Now, what makes Charles Island so amazing is the combination of its history, which we're going to get into, the three curses placed on it, amazing stuff, and the mysterious way in which you know, it's kind of like a Disney movie, a very walkable path straight to the island from the Connecticut shoreline appears twice a day, like clockwork, when the low tide appears. But you'd be careless and lose track of time when high tide returns, and you'll be stuck on that island for six hours or so until low tide returns again and allows you to make your escape. And don't forget, a lot can happen to somebody on a cursed island who's stranded there for six hours. Well, the island's sheer size makes it just big enough to be formidable. That is, tough to find precisely where Captain Kidd, the Scottish-born pirate, buried his treasure, or where those two Connecticut sailors stashed their loot after participating in the theft of, are you ready for this, the fortune from Montezuma in Mexico. Now, you might dismiss all this talk about buried pirate treasure, and I did it first too, but perhaps we're all rushing to a bit of judgment Around the year 1700, when Captain Kidd was arrested, tried, convicted for being a pirate, a key piece of evidence was the treasure that he actually had buried on Gardner Island. Now, you've undoubtedly heard about Long Island's two forks on the very eastern tip that stick out into the Atlantic Ocean. Well, smack dab in between those two tips is Gardner Island. Look it up on Google Maps. There's even a part of it called Captain Kidd Hollow, 
Now, that's supposedly where the buried treasure was unearthed by British officials and then brought to England to be used as evidence against Captain Kidd during his trial. Well, there's a woman who, like me, is fascinated by all these stories about Charles Island off Milford. Marissa D'Angelo is a grade school teacher, and she now lives in Maryland. She's published four books on the island. They're all fictional stories, but they're based on the actual history of Charles Island and its curses. Well, the island's history begins long before Captain Kidd was on the scene. It started, of course, with Native Americans. What can you tell me about the Pagusset tribe and their use of that island? So the Pagusset tribe in the early 1600s, they actually helped out the English settlers in so many ways. The Pagusset tribe extended along the coastline. So they extended from what is known as New Haven now to the Westport area. They had a huge amount of land. There was fish, shellfish, wildlife, so this was a perfect spot for them. And in the winters, I found that they actually would bury their food in holes so they could come back to it. They really needed to try to get everything together for the winters so they could survive. When the settlers came over, they helped them to learn how to get food and how to survive the winters in Connecticut. Other tribes were trying to attack the Pogasset tribe. So because of that, the Pogasset tribe eventually sold off the land that is now known as Charles Island to the uh, English settlers in return for uh, protection from the other tribes. In 1835, the first house was built on this, I guess, 17-acre island, and then it got turned into a resort by the Pritchard family. Tell me about that. Eliza Pritchard was a button maker from Waterbury, Connecticut. He ended up turning the large house into a summer resort. Now, the Pritchards never lived there. They still lived in Waterbury, but they saw this as a good idea, and he was left some money from an inheritance, and so he thought he would uh, spend that money on that large house, making it into a summer resort. It was booming. Everybody wanted to go to the summer resort, which was called the Charles Island House. They changed the name from Charles Island House to Asantaway House. As soon as I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, that is Native American, that is not English. So when I saw that, I researched it and it said that Asantaway was the chief of the local Pogasset tribe about 200 years prior. That means that the Pritchards might've been in contact with some Native Americans. And that's not usually talked about that much. So then in 1860, Eliza died of a heart attack on Charles Island, and it was very sudden, and his daughter, Sarah Pritchard, had to run the resort on her own. Then the Civil War broke out. During that time, the resort wasn't seeing that many people, and the people who did stay there didn't really like it because they heard weird sounds. They had a lot of restless nights. So... The resort's demise was just, it went up in flames. There's nothing recorded as to why it went up in flames. There's just, there's nothing like, oh, some, you know, a candle went off or anything like that. Like, no one knows. All anyone can think about was the original curse on the island from the Native American tribe that said, if you build on this island then it will you know it will go up in flames it will not be here any longer now that's enough just by itself but then you got to throw in this whole chapter with captain kidd and this is just fascinating so here's a guy 
who's born in the 1600s in Scotland to a mariner family. His dad's a sailor. He becomes a sailor. He's supposed to go after French ships on behalf of the, the British and get their treasure. And then somewhere along the line, he decides to start, uh, or at least allegedly starts uh, deciding to pocket this himself and becomes labeled a pirate and, and may have put some of this loot on Charles Island. Fascinating story. Tell me what you know about that. Captain Kidd, William Kidd, was born in Scotland. I believe that he always wanted to be out at sea. He eventually went out and did uh, small voyages, like he did transports of different items to and from places. Then he had his own ship. It wasn't until England gifted him another ship named the Adventure Galley. The Adventure Galley actually was huge. It had 34 cannons. It had oars. It had over 100 men. This was like a battleship, basically, because it was adorned with so much. He eventually was working for England during the War of Allegiance so that he could capture French vessels. What I thought was very strange was he was working for them, but then he was tried as a pirate for things that were similar to what his job was. And I mean, some people could say, oh, he took it into his own hands and he started just capturing vessels on his own. But I honestly think that there were more politics in play than that. I think he was maybe still working for them. And then he was tried as a pirate. There was actually a book that came out um, in the mid 1900s, you know, based off of Captain Kidd being innocent. When he was eventually hung, he had to be hung twice because the first time it didn't work and, you know, the noose, it didn't work. Everybody said, okay, it's a sign, like he's innocent. When somebody is hung and the lever doesn't work or it, they, something is going wrong, that means that it's not meant to be. They didn't really care and they hung him anyway. They tried a second time and he did die. Incredible. Now, there was definitely some treasure buried off the east coast of Long Island that they knew of and that they found. The allegations are that he hid quite a bit more along the New England coast, and Charles Island is one of those places. What do, what do you think? I think it's very possible that Charles Island could be a place where the treasure is. Now, I'm hoping that no one goes out and tries to you know, get the treasure or tries to dig there because it, it does belong to the state, of course. And I, I just hope it doesn't end up being something like Oak Island, how they dug it all up and it's just a mess now. <laughs> but um, I think it is very possible because what they found on that island, not Charles Island, but the island where they found Captain Kidd's treasure was only a fraction of what he did receive from England you know, as compensation for all of his work during the War of Allegiance. You know, you kind of question where is the other treasure then? Because that was not all of it. That's got to be enough to keep uh, some people up nights and, uh, and out looking for it. I'm sure I know they continue to do that to this day. Let's talk about the curses specifically. So we already talked about the Native American chief's curse you know, Captain William Kidd put a curse on it. And then years later, the Montezuma fortune from Mexico was brought to 
this area, and supposedly the last two remaining sailors who were not killed off under very unusual circumstances brought their loot to Charles Island as well. And I'm just wondering whether people knew about this low tide, high tide, and realizing they could get out there only at certain times, and that was sort of an additional buffer to keep people away from the treasure. What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, the tides definitely do come into play because they're to this day, people like drown. Just they think they can go over and their feet are just swept away from beneath them. Even when it's low tide, it really depends because not every low tide is the same. But with that curse, I mean, I'm honestly thinking if that boat had a lot of treasure on it, maybe those two remaining people killed everyone else. And, and wanted the treasure for themselves. And then they just buried it there. But yeah, I think that it, there is a possibility that the treasure is there, whether it be Captain Kids or just the two sailors that were remaining from that boat. And I think it's actually good that they fence off the island right now. So you can't go in the middle. And that's actually a good thing because if you're in the middle of the island, you can't see the tide coming up. And you can, even if you go around back in the, of the island, you can't see. One of the times that I ventured out to the island, I walked around the entire perimeter. And when I came back around, I had to run down the pathway to get back to the mainland because tides were coming in. And you're an experienced Charles Island visitor. How many times have you been out there? I've been there more than 40 times. Each summer, I go at least... I don't know, five or six times at least. Well, I like to go when it snows, just during any season. It's really cool. Now, one of those times you went out, and there's a, a sad story that leads up to it, but you met a photographer there, and it started you off on your book writing uh, escapades. Yeah, so um, when I lost my father suddenly two years ago, I you know, was going to the island a lot because it's so beautiful, and I just wanted to kind of get out of the house I was just writing down a story about something else that's not related. And a photographer came up to me and he was an older man. He looked to be in his late 60s, maybe 70s. And he had a camera strapped around his neck. And he came over to me and said, oh, do you know about the curses of the island? And I was like, no. <laughs> he started talking about the curses. And then he said that in his photographs, he's found unexplained things in them like you know like it's paranormal in his photographs so that started me on writing my book presence which was the first in my whole series and presence is based on a, a young photographer that's taking photos of the island and finds these uh, paranormal things in his photos and then I also added in like maybe he sees things maybe he sees spirits and they're unexplainable and it kind of goes into him being haunted by the island. Well, we won't give away anything there. We'll we'll move on, but then you have three books that all talk about the curses in different ways. Tell me about those. Each of my books are based on different eras. So the first one was called The Cursed Spirit. That's based in the 1600s. It is primarily based on the Native American tribe, the Pogasets. The main character in this book is Katori, who's the chief's son. Now, Katori knows that the island is off limits to his whole tribe. He's very curious, and he keeps asking, like, why is it off limits? His father, the chief, doesn't want to talk about it, but his grandmother is very, very close with him. She finally tells him about 
why there's a curse on the island, which I'm not going to say why, but um, the curse is that there's a Wendigo spirit. You will find out when you read it why that Wendigo spirit is there and how it formed. Now, the second era then was the Captain Kidd era. It takes place in about the 1650s because it starts with Captain Kidd as a young boy. Captain Kidd lost his father at a very young age. I told it from his perspective. He has to be the man of the house. So he finds a job, you know, on a ship exporting goods and importing them. Then um, England ends up hiring him to capture French vessels during the War of Allegiance. He set sail and he was capturing French vessels. Eventually, he is tried for being a pirate and wanted signs are put all over the place that he's a pirate and, you know, a bounty is put on his head. And finally, he was shipped over back to England so that way they could hang him there. Uh, But anyway, that was the cursed vessel, my second story. And then the final one was about the inn that the uh, Pritchards built. The final story I just released is The Cursed Inn. It is based from Sarah Pritchard's perspective. You know, she talks with her father and she's very close with him. And her father ends up saying, you know, I found this big house on an island and it's for sale. You know, why don't we buy it and turn it into a summer resort? She's like, that sounds like a great idea. So they end up doing that. And... Um, A lot of the guests were unhappy because they heard voices in the night and they just couldn't sleep well. They were very, very restless. Anyway, eventually the Civil War breaks out and the resort comes to a fiery demise. Now, do I have it right that to this day some people claim to see the ghost of Sarah Pritchard on that walkway? Yeah, so there are even pictures At first, someone doesn't seem to, they don't seem to see her, but then in the picture, she comes up as a lady in white, as if she's going to get married or something. Then other times, they'll see her late at night, just in the middle of the walkway, walking down to Charles Island. And it's very strange, because every single report that has been made was this lady in white, just walking by herself, just slowly to the island. Has anybody like yourself seen these pictures? Yeah, so I've seen one of them, um, and she's in the picture. She's very, like, far out in the distance, but it's very creepy. You wouldn't think of someone wearing a long white dress all the way to their ankles when they're trying to go over, like, sand and shells and things like that. So very strange. That wraps up this episode of Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path. Now, if you do want to walk over to Charles Island from the Milford, Connecticut coastline at Silver Sands Park, do it near the time when the moon is full. That's because the tide gets lower at that time, revealing more of the walkway. And if there's any water at all on the sandbar, the park ranger's not going to let you cross because it's just too dangerous. I want to thank my guest for this episode, Marissa D'Angelo, the Milford native and author of four fictional accounts on Charles Island based on its real underlying facts, Presence, The Cursed Spirit, The Cursed Vessel, and The Cursed Inn. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when the next episode is coming. 
Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path is a production of True North Associates, LLC. This is Mike Allen. Be safe and please stay healthy. Stay healthy.